welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Amen. As, ma- as many of you know, I just came back from a long vacation, and so I'm still g- getting over uh, the time difference. My kids have been staying up uh, late, uh, two or three in the morning, and going to bed uh, late. Uh, but it was a wonderful time in London, in uh, Paris, and something that, something that really touched my heart, and something that God used to speak to me. Now, the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God belongs to little children, right? You know that verse. Do you read your Bible? I believe you do. <laughs> it belongs to the little uh, ones. And uh, something that my children saw uh, as we were walking the streets of London, and we did a lot of walking in London, lots. I looked at my iPhone, and uh, one day we did 25,000 steps. Now, that's a lot. All right, so we're walking uh, central London, up and down the different bridges. Uh, and what, what we saw were homeless people. Now, many of us don't see homeless people in Singapore. Uh, and uh, if you travel a lot, you're being taught uh, you can't save the world, so don't don't give arms, right? Don't don't just they are homeless by choice, blah blah blah, and we've got all that, uh, we've got all that thinking in in our mind. But of course, it's the first time that some of my kids uh, saw homeless people with blankets trying to stay warm in cold London. And so Megan, my number four, was very interesting, right? So Megan uh, went to the mother and said, uh, "Can we help them?" And so Megan uh, asked for a few pounds, right? So, so she woke up one morning and she said to Joy that today I want to help five homeless people. So she asked for five pounds and so, she was on, so as we were walking up and down central London, she was looking for homeless people and to give like one pound to each homeless person. And at the end of the evening, she said, I only gave away two pounds because I can't find many homeless people, so I'll try again tomorrow. Right, and, and when she said that, the Lord just convicted my, my heart. And, and, uh, and I realized that sometimes we, we become so numb to the world around us that, that we forgot that God, has, uh, that God loves the, the, the poor, that, that God loves the needy. And I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, lending to the Lord. Lending to the Lord. So open your Bible, if you can, to Proverbs 19, verse 17. And as you are turning to your Bible, I want to say that the responsible handling of kingdom resources entrusted to us, now we've been entrusted with a lot. Most of you here hold a a job, a decent job, and you've been entrusted with resources. And the way we handle kingdom resources demonstrate our growing spiritual maturity. Are you with me? The way we steward what has been entrusted to us is a reflection of how mature we are spiritually. And as we mature, we increase in our ability to handle authority and dominion of God's agenda on the earth. And one of the ways... uh, we grow in maturity by the way we steward our time, our talents, and also our treasures. Amen? Alright, the way we use our time reflect how mature we are. The way we steward our 
talents reflect, re, reflect the way we steward our, the, the, way we, uh, the way we grow and the way we mature and the way we steward our finances, the way we steward our treasures, also it's a reflection of, of that. So on that note, just, I just want to say how proud we are as, a, uh, as, as leaders in this church for over the 100 volunteers, the 100 over volunteers that, that volunteer our time to serve. The last two uh, Saturdays. So give yourself a big hand again. Come on, you've, you've done well. Amazing. Amen. Thank you very much. And that's just a reflection of also the growing maturity in this church. And I, as, as I was just thinking through this message, I sense that perhaps next year, it's time for this church to be a lot more, not just a little bit more, a lot more outward looking. Amen. We've been around for a few years and we've been trying our best to build community, trying our best to go deep, trying our best to strengthen the stakes, to, you know, to, to love one another, to put people into life groups. And I think we've done well. Not perfect, not ideal, but I think we've done well in the last three years uh, to build strength into to this house. But we don't just be a house for being a house sake. I believe we are called to be a house of champions. I, call, I believe we're all, we, we are called to be people with an outward vision to make a difference, not just in this house, but beyond the four walls, in our nation, in the nations of the world. And so when I hear of stories of how four of our girls, our girls, our members, make their own way to Cambodia and uh, to volunteer themselves with, with uh, a ministry called Hagar and uh, to reach out to, uh, those who are in, to, to those who are victims of human trafficking, I'm a, I'm, I'm a proud pastor. Well done, guys. I just wish that we have prayed for them and released them and said, go. But I, I'm seeing signs of health coming to, to this church and I'm saying that next year, we can do a lot more. We can lend to the Lord our time, our talent, and our treasure. Amen? So I, I want to speak to you on lending to the Lord. And the Bible actually contains over 2,000 verses concerning caring for the poor. That's a lot of Bible verses, 2,000 verses on caring for the poor. And Jesus, in Matthew 25, which we'll look at in a while's time, went so far as to suggest that caring for the poor or the neglecting to do so was caring for or neglecting Him. Wow. That's incredible. And yet... Despite that, you know, we have a lot of teachings in church about tithing, teachings in church about how we can be prosperous, but there is, for, for a long time now, a lack of understanding on God's heart for the poor. And our loving care for the poor is one more opportunity for this church to train ourselves to reign in this life, come on, and to develop a heart like God's heart, come on. And that's my uh, burden and my passion for this message this morning. So obviously, if the poor are addressed in over 2,000 verses in Scripture, they are very important to our Father. That our Father loves and cares for the poor and is concerned for their well-being, for, for their welfare. And He expects us to be and to do the same. In fact, He gave a number of commands to ancient Israel to ensure that the poor would have provision and receive justice. It's all over the Old Testament. And Jesus had powerful things to say about caring for the, for the poor. And Jesus, I believe, is calling us to a higher standard of loving and giving under the new covenant of grace. That we should not do less. In fact, because we've got grace, we should do a lot more. Amen? And providing for the poor was a major focus and activity for the early church. And we'll look at that in a moment's time. 
But let's go through the Bible. My aim this morning is not to tell you what I think, but to do a Bible study and to show you a sample of these 2,000 verses and to uh, just present to you what the Bible is saying and what God thinks concerning the poor, concerning the needy. So are you ready for a Bible study? All right? See, in in the the last book of the Old uh, Testament, in, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, we know this verse so well. The Bible says to test God and see if He will not throw, up, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And, and He was referring to tithing and to our offering. And this is the only verse in the Bible where, uh, where God says to, to test Him. But can I just suggest to you that in fact, every promise in the Bible is an invitation for us to test God. If, when God makes a promise, He says, test me to see whether will I uh, fulfill my promise so, it's interesting that Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 is actually more stunning, if I may say, than Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It's, act- it's actually more outrageous. So God says, test me if you give your tithe and see whether will I bless you. But in, Malachi chap- in Proverbs chapter 19, verse uh, uh, 17, let's read on the screen. The Bible says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and He will reward him for what He has done. I think this is a more stunning... Uh, verse then Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 he will repay the word land listen means to permit the use of something with the expectation of return of the same to impart or contribute something and to provide especially in order to assist or support someone if you don't know that just google you will find the definition of lending all right but this verse is rich in meaning and so let's take some time to unpack this verse and learn from it see the the use of the term land is very interesting because we've all said that God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Whatever we have belongs to Him, right? So we're all stewards. But by using the, the term land, God is stating that what we are giving is what, is, is, is what we own. That we are giving what we own. Not something that we, we are simply stewarding. All right, that we are not, because there's no way we can borrow from someone and then to lend it back to the person, right? So, lend to, to the Lord. To, so, it's actually, uh, I think God is just trying to drive a point home that you can't, you can't lend what you own to, 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 to someone. You, no, you can't lend what you borrow to, back to the same person. You can only lend what you owe to someone. When it comes to giving kingdom resources, there are hours to manage or squander. So, God in this verse, respects our ownership. Turn to the person next to you and say, God respects what, you, what He has given to you. So what He has given to you, you are owning them. God respects our ownership. And like any prudent borrower, when we lend to the Lord, He promises to return the loan with interest. That's our God. When we lend to, to the Lord, He will repay what we lend to Him and beyond just the amount we lend to Him, He repay back to us with interest. See, God has everything and God doesn't need our offerings, our gifts. But when it comes to His love and care for the poor, He put Himself in the position of needing our help. Think about that. I think we should say, wow. <laughs> the almighty, all-sufficient God of the universe is soliciting our partnership in ministering to the poor. 
See, God is entrusting the poor who are so precious to, to Him into our, loving, into our love and care. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. So are, so are we lending to the Lord? Are we providing support to our God in His mission to care for the poor and the needy on this earth? So let's look at some verses on God's heart for the poor. The first is in Psalms uh, 10 and verse uh, 14. The verse says, The unfortunate commits himself to you. You have been the helper of the orphan, O Lord. You have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed. God is a helper of the orphan. He will incline his ear to vindicate, to free the orphan and the oppressed. That's God. In Psalm 72, verse 12 and verse uh, 13, he says, For he will deliver, God will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. See, God is a deliverer. And in Psalms, the psalm says, And God himself will hear the cry of the needy. I tell you, this morning across the earth, there are not just millions, but billions of people who are crying out, whether it's in their heart or whether it's outwardly, they are crying out for help. All right? Regardless of whether you will help, regardless of, what, of our response, the Bible tells us that God will deliver the needy who cry out, the, the afflicted who have got no one to help. God is the one who will go the extra mile to help. And, but He's looking for partners. He's looking for us who will lend to Him, who will partner with Him to elevate the sufferings and, and the needs of this world. Next verse, in, De- in De- Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the aliens or the foreigners, giving Him food and clothing. He's a defender. When you walk past the homeless, God is their defender. Whether you know it or whether you don't know it, God defends. He didn't just defend the Christian poor or the Christian needy. He defends the needy. He defends the fatherless. He defends the widow. He he defends the aliens. He loves the aliens. And yesterday as we were walking around, uh, what's the place called? Gardens by the Bay, yes. And of the many uh, foster families who came, many of them weren't Christians. And I'm so proud of many of you who are loving the non-believers the same way you would love the believers. Amazing. But there are a lot of people who don't know God yet, and yet they need our love and care. Yes? And that's what Psalm 68 verse 5 says, A father to the fatherless and the defender of widows is God in His holy dwelling. The church, that through us, He wants to defend the fatherless. He wants to defend the widows. He wants to father the fatherless through us. In His holy dwelling, God is a father. God is a defender. Someone say, Amen. There's a verse that's very interesting. It's the next verse in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 22. God actually commands us to share our harvest with the poor. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. He says, leave them for the poor 
and the, and the aliens or the foreigners, I am the Lord your God. So he's saying, hey, when you have a harvest, don't, don't take everything. Make sure that you've got something left behind to share. God expects us, God commands us to share our harvest with the poor. Somebody say amen. In fact, loving and caring for the poor are so important to God that He compares it to an act of consecration, like fasting. So we can pray, we can fast, we can have overnight prayer. But in Isaiah 58, this is our favorite verses, right, in this church. An amazing chapter in in Isaiah 58 and verse 6 and 7. This is what the Bible says. And let's read together, right, in full voice. Let's all read this. You have been hearing my voice for some time now, right? So, is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry or to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Is this not the kind of fasting? Is this, is this not the way we sacrifice a little food, a little comfort, a little pleasure on our end to share the food that, that we have and to share the harvest that we have with the oppressed, with the hungry, with the wanderer, with the naked, with the poor. It's like fasting. In the, in the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 27 tells us what true religion is. And we all know this verse really well. But let's read James chapter 1, verse 27. It says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after, I think I should read from there, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To look after orphans and the depressed and the oppressed and the widows. This is true religion, not, not working ourselves up in the frenzies, sing songs. and These are all part of our expression, but our true faith is when we care for the orphans and when we uh, take up the needs of the widows. See, faithfully caring for the poor and needy, as I said, is a sign of spiritual maturity. My next verse is very interesting. It says in Romans 12 verse 20, if, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Listen, <laughs> this command in Romans, take caring for the poor to a whole new level. Beyond just, uh, just caring for our own poor, caring for the people we love. The Bible says that even our enemies, not just those who are deserving, but those who are against us, those who are persecuting us, those who are, uh, those who are attacking us, those who are commenting about, our, you know, about us on Facebook, those who are sending hate mails, or those who are bullying us on Instagram. Come on, young people. The Bible says if they are hungry, we, we, we should feed them. If they are thirsty, we should give them a drink. You can't say, but, 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 pastor, they bully me on Instagram. It's okay, that's what the Bible commands, that even if they bully you on social media, if they unfriend you because of something you've said, but when you find out that they are hungry, it is your responsibility. Now, let, let me rephrase that. It's your Christ-like responsibility to feed them, to give them a drink, and to clothe them regardless. And after you've done that, 
They may still bully you. They may still comment about you. They may still unfriend you. It doesn't matter because what we're going after is Christ-likeness. Amen. What we're going after is to be like Jesus in the world. Somebody say amen. So on that note, can I suggest to you that to ignore the poor is sin? Hello? To ignore the poor is sin. To ignore the poor is missing the mark of our upward call of God in Christ Jesus. To ignore the poor is, 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 is to miss the glory. Come on. It's sin. The scripture is very clear that caring for the poor is not an option. If we shut our hearts and ignore the needs of the poor, we do so to our own hurt. And the Bible is very clear about that. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 31 says, He who oppresses the poor show contempts for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. But if we oppress the poor, we are show, we're, we're despising our Creator. We're showing contempt for our maker. Proverbs 21 verse uh, 13 says, If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. One of the reasons for unanswered prayer, and perhaps, is because we don't care for the poor. We shut our ears to those who are being oppressed. Wow! Proverbs 28 verse 27 says, He who gives to the poor will lack nothing. What a promise. But he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. And what that meant is that, you know, we remove the protection the protective covering around us, the glory of God, and we become susceptible to curses. Most of us know that, the, that one of the sins of Sodom and uh, Gomorrah is sexual immor immorality. And, that, and that's what we heard. That's why God destroyed them. But Ezekiel 16 verse 49 is a fascinating verse. It gives us a clue to perhaps the real, the real reason for their destruction and perhaps also the root issue of their immoral lifestyle. It says in Ezekiel 16 verse 49, now this was the sin. This was the sin, not just a sin. This was the sin of her sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. Wow! So Ezekiel indicates that the primary sin was the lack of concern and provision for the poor. So could it be that because of that, they open up the spiritual door to, to an immoral spirit? It opens, up, it opens them up to deception, to lies, and, and it brings down the whole civilization because they were overfed, they were unconcerned for, for, for the poor. Hey, can I just say it in a loving way that, that Singaporeans are a little bit overfed, we've got so much food, we have a lot, we have been blessed. And if we don't take heed to this verse, I pray that we wouldn't open ourselves up to deception and to an, in, an immoral... Spirit that will overtake this nation. Amen. See, caring for the poor is one natural overflow and necessary evidence of the presence of God in our hearts. And if there's no sign of caring for the poor in our lives, then we would need to question if Christ is truly in our hearts. 
The previous verse in the, in, in, in the slide says, 1 John 3, 17, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity in him, how can the love of God dwell in him? It should be an overflow of the presence of Christ in our hearts. See, those who give to the poor are blessed. In Proverbs 14 verse 21, the Bible says, Blessed is he who is kind to the needy. A true blessed life. And we all know, we all know that. But how do we live it? The Bible, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. The greater blessing is in our giving. And especially in giving to those who are in need. Blessed is he who is kind to the poor. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Proverbs 22 verse 9, a generous man is blessed. This is the blessed life. In Isaiah 58 verse 10, again, in that passage, it says, If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Perhaps, church, in the coming year, if we can spend ourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then perhaps the city will be a light on a hill that cannot be, be, be hidden. It will shine our light. Amen? Isn't that what we are called to be? Isn't that what God has called us to, sh- to, to be? to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, to be a light that will shine in a dark and perverse generation. And that's, and that's what the Bible says, that if we spend ourselves, our time, our talent, our treasure, if we spend ourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then our light will shine. Then our light will shine. Proverbs 28 verse 27 says, He who gives to the poor will lack nothing. We've got many needs in this church, but perhaps as a, as a board, perhaps as leaders, perhaps as a congregation, that, it, that even as we keep meeting the needs in the house, can we come to a, a season in this church where we will give to the poor and trust God that we'll lack nothing? As I, as I said, as when I start the the message in Matthew 25. Let's read the verses on the screen. The G- Jesus actually taught the disciples that when you care for the poor, you are loving Jesus. It says here, then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come you, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And of course the answer is why? All right. So for, because when, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. When I was sick, you looked after me. When I, when I was in prison, you came to visit me. And of course, you know what the sheep was, was responding. And say, said, God, when did we care for you when you were sick? When were you sick? When were you thirsty? When were you in prison? When were you naked? And then, of course, Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Again, when Jesus said brothers of mine, He didn't say these are Christians who profess Christ. Jesus identified Himself as a brother to those who are in need, those who are oppressed. 
And there are many around us, not just in Cambodia or Burma or Indonesia, but even in Singapore. Amen. And do you know that the early church actually took hold of this command and they demonstrated it? It started within the church and it has to start here, right? The Jerusalem church gave extravagantly to see that all their members were supported. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45, the Bible says, All the believers were together and had all things in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone who had need. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 32 says, All the believers were one heart, one mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, and they shared everything they had. It started within the house, but it, it went beyond that because it came to a point when, when Paul, who was recognized as an apostle to the Gentiles, met the Jerusalem council. You know the story. And, and, uh, and Peter, James, and John recognized God's hand on Paul and Barnabas and sent them to the Gentiles. They sent them with an instruction. And this is, what, this is how Paul related in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Paul says this, James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and, Ban and, Barney, and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Barney. They agreed that we should go to, to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. And this is what Peter, James, and John said. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. What this verse was inferring or implying is that the church in Jerusalem, towards the Jewish people, they were remembering the poor, they were caring for the poor, they were concerned about the welfare of the poor. In fact, they have been doing that. That you know, when uh, it came to a point where the church was growing so quickly, it multiplied to a few thousands that the apostles were serving tables, right? That they were meeting needs, that, that they were serving food to the believers. And they had to appoint deacons to serve food. Remembering the poor is part of the mandate of the early church. And so when they recognized God's hand on Paul and Barney to go to, to the Gentiles, they said, preach the gospel to the Gentiles. But one thing, remember the poor. You must remember the poor. It's so much a part of the gospel. Come on. It's so much a part of our gospel. It's interesting that Julian, the last Roman emperor, tried to revive paganism after Constantine. He built temples and spruced them up, but Christianity was spreading faster than, than he could compete with. In the midst of this, he wrote to a friend, a pagan priest, and he, and, he, and he said this, nothing, I love this, nothing has contributed to the progress of the superstition of these Christians as their charity to strangers. The impetuous Gal Galileans provide not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. Is it impetuous? Impious, excuse me. Impious. Well, and they, are, they, are, they, are, they were also impetuous, right? <laughs> Both, Ga Galileans, impious. Don't you like that? That the emperor was trying to revive paganism and he couldn't because the Christians were outpacing him in the way they are loving and caring for strangers, for those who are in need, for those who are poor. 
And they are caring not just for their own poor, but also for ours too, he said. So it's a losing battle. That's what Emperor Julian was saying. We're losing. Wow. And Justin Martyr, an early defender of Christianity, reveals in church history that collections were taken during church services to help the orphans. Wow. By the time of Emperor Justinian, which is you know, after Paul, churches were operating old folks' home. And before Christianity, listen, homes for the aged didn't exist. Before the church, there were no hospitals. Hospitals was an innovation, come on, of the church. Wow. And now nursing homes are taken for granted. So what, what I'm trying to say is that the early church filled the pagan void that largely ignored the sick and the dying, especially during pestilences. See, the Greeks had diagnostic centers but no nursing care. Roman hospitals were only for slaves, gladiators, and for soldiers. So the Christians in the early church provided shelters for the poor and pilgrims along with, med- with medical care. Christian hospitals were the first voluntary charitable institutions in history. I read this story of a pagan soldier in Emperor Constantine's army was intrigued by Christians who brought food to his fellow soldiers who were afflicted with famine and disease. He studied this inspiring group who displayed such humanity and was converted to the faith. See, he represents much of why the early church grew in spite of severe persecution. Church basic beliefs leads to basic responses. The Christian response to life and suffering changed the world for good forever. I read a quote by Tim Keller. And he says this, the early Christians, it's not on the, on the screen, but I love how he says it, the early Christians were prosmicuous. Prosmicuous. <laughs> With their charity. Let me read, I'm just The early Christians were prosmicuous with the charity. And he says this, oh, listen, 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 don't be distracted. Oh, that the world would have a reason to accuse us of the same today. Now, just in case you were distracted by that little internal <laughs> bantering between me and my younger brother, who are improving our, our vocabulary, let me repeat what Tim Keller said. Listen, the early Christians were promiscuous with their charity. Oh, that the world would have reasons to accuse us of the same today. Can the world accuse us of the same, that we are just loving too much, we're just caring too much. See, today we've largely abdicated caring for the poor to government programs, to MSF, to VWOs, to social agencies, and seldom do we see the poor as our ongoing responsibility. But can I suggest to you that families and churches are to be the best example of Christ-like character. We are called to be salt and light, caring for the poor in the midst of our community. See, being radically generous is an entire lifestyle where we live with the desire to fulfill the Father's will and purpose on the earth. And we advance His kingdom by saying what He says, by doing what He does, and by loving as He loves. See, friends, this is not just 
a spiritual stance. This is also a very practical thing. The way we advance God's kingdom, listen, is not going around giving out tracts. Now, that's part of it. The way we, we, we advance God's kingdom is not having a TV ministry and to preach to Christians. Now, that's part of discipling. But the way we advance God's kingdom and, and, and to take His light up out of the four walls of the, of the church, and this is what I, be, what I believe is by saying the things He say, by acting the way He acts, by being Jesus in the world. See, we are, I've said this to young people, I can't believe I'm re- repeating myself. We are supposed to be the fifth gospel. Well, we are, we are supposed to be the gospel according to Jason Chua, to, to, Constant, to Constance Chua, to, 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 uh, in accordance to Axel Tan. We are the gospel. And in fact, we're the only Bible the world will ever read. They wouldn't open up the Bible. They wouldn't go unless God visits them in, in a dream or un, unless there's an awakening. But otherwise, the people are reading our lives and they are seeing how are we caring, how are we sharing, how are we speaking, how are we being kind, the way we speak. And that's why neck at people, especially my children all the time. Come on, speak to reflect the character of Christ. People are, li- are looking, people are seeing, but especially the way we care. That's a scary thought that I have, especially in first world developed Singapore. And that is churches become poor when we become rich and cannot follow the poor. And we are seeing that around the world where I've got no problems with nice buildings. It's a facility. But to facilitate what? It's a facility, but it's, it's, it's a white elephant on Monday. There are nice buildings that we drive by and after 100 years, guess what? I just came up from Europe. I go to Paris and I looked at Notre Dame. And they spent 500 years building this. And now it's a museum. I was touring cathedrals that are cafes, serving coffee to hipsters like some of you. The cross of Christ is offensive. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so, uh, the more wealth we have, and especially when in Singapore, churches are, are storing millions in their banks. They're waiting for the next plot of land to build the next building. And I pray that the buildings, and we need buildings, but can we think differently about buildings? If God one day blesses us with, with a building, let's not build a cathedral where people come and see how nice the sound system is. Let's build a rescue center where it happens to have a church there on Sunday that gathers and sing a few songs. But on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, we've got prayer going on. We have got, you know, caring ministry going on. I mean, that's my dream. Let's... million going to a nice building with people in suit walking in on Sunday, teaching, looking at how far have we drifted from the book of Acts where where fishermen who are are unlearned took the world by storm, turned their world upside down. 
because they carry power, they carry presence, they were champions of signs and wonders, but also they were champions of the way they care for the poor and the needy. And I think that's what the city should look like in the next few years. Somebody say amen. I pray that we'll not become rich, that we'll, that we'll become spiritually poor. Are you reminded of a church like that in, in the book of Revelations? Where Jesus said, you know, you are rich, but I've got one thing against you. You are, you are, you are actually poor. So as I close with the band on stage, please. Let's ask ourselves some questions as we come to the end of this year. And this message is not, you know, me being holier than thou, trying to tell you that I've been caring a lot for the poor. Sorry, man. Uh, Siri is picking up what I'm saying. <laughs> and he says, this is prophetic. It says, to whom should I send this message? <laughs> wow. He says, sorry, Daniel, I can't send a message because I message is off or unavailable. Try again when it's available. Who should I send this message to? I send this message to you guys, to myself, to my own heart. You know, my daughter taught me this. Walking around London, freezing cold, and, this, and my little young Megan just going around giving a pound to the homeless. My mature mind was saying, why are you doing that? What can a pound do? Alright, and especially when you give to, maybe you, you, what if this person takes that one pound and go and buy, uh, buy cigarettes or buy drugs? We can't save the world. And that's how most of us are conditioned to think. And some of you are in places where you can make a difference to change policies that can, you know, but it's both top down and bottom up. While the government is trying to have better policies, you know, that will that will completely eradicate, say, charity, which I don't think will happen in, in our lifetime because it's been around for two thousand years. The Bible says the poor you have with you always. But can the church at least respond in kindness? We can't stop for a hundred, we can stop for the one. We can stop for the one in front of us. I, we still remember how Heidi Baker wrecked us, right? When, when she preached on stopping for the one and it all made sense. So we read it in the Bible but we didn't see it. We were blinded till Heidi said, revival has, has a face. It looks like somebody. We should stop for the one in front of us. So as I sum this whole message up, I want to say that Father God cares for and loves the poor and the needy and He expects us to do the same. The Bible states that we are lending to the Lord when we give to the poor. Not just our money, but our time and our talent. And He will repay us and bless us. We must never ignore the needs of the poor. So ask ourselves this morning, are we currently lending to the Lord? If so, whom and how? Whom and how? As I said, as a church, we need to respond that perhaps next year, Christine, Andre, who's not here, Jason, the leaders, the, the board, that perhaps we should do a lot more. We should do a lot more to help Joy, my wife, champion for fostering and adoption, to help uh, some of us here who are serving in some shelters and some home. We, we can do a lot, a lot more. But perhaps this morning, as I was just thinking through, 
and when God says that we're a champion of champions or we're a house of champions, there are champions here who are doing some incredible things that I think some of you can instantly just respond, right? If you go to, and I did the same thing last year, but we all know Rebecca, who's not here this morning, but Rebecca champions our better world. You can go to our better world, I think, .org, and you have, you have got all the amazing stories up there and how you can partner with some of these organizations. All right, do that. There's also this platform that Melissa Kui and NVPC Constance is a part of it, uh, created called giving.sg. It's incredible. I just saw the website. It's a giving platform. And up to date, when they launched the campaign, they've they raised, uh, they've given over $75 million. Huh? $100 million. And with 120,000 people using the platform, why not 100 more from this church? Right, go to giving.sg there are all these ministries and organizations that you can give five dollars ten dollars but want to give a little bit more give a hundred two hundred in this Christmas season something practical we can do do we have one more week of like no more next next uh, no more right but next year let's partner with whether it's Salvation Army or whether it's uh, with MCYC and let's do a little bit more amen but this morning let's allow God to touch our hearts afresh with His love, His compassion. Let's all rise to our feet as Constance leads us in this song.